0: ba Literally gagging. Hello and welcome to Literally Gagging. This is a podcast where we're going to delve into all those sexy little books that get you hot under the collar, get you wet between the legs and see if they really are as sexy as they're cracked up to be. If listening to two millennial women get drunk and shouty about sex, doesn't really sound like it's your bag, then this may not be the podcast for you. My name is Hannah and I'm here with my co-host Molly. How are you this week, Molly?
1: Hello, I am great. We have just celebrated Eurovision here. It's gay Christmas. I fucking love Eurovision vision. And I am obsessed with the song from Iceland and Russia. Great entries. Sad
0: that they can't get their rightful prize. The Iceland one was phenomenal. The main guy kind of looks like every person you see in Manchester's Northern Quarter with a skateboard and a beanie. It made me feel very at home. I enjoyed it. I like the jumpers with their little faces on. They should have won. But Covid was the true winner this year. They can't submit the same song again, can they? Which is a travesty. They
1: can re-enter again. So unless he can smash it out the park with another banger. Because that that song's it's really fucking good to be fair. It's good. It's real good. What did you do for Eurovision? So the night before I had a Zoom chat with some people who I used to work with who are very very big on the old Eurovision and we were gonna have it up like whilst we were watching it until one of them pointed out that it would sound shit because everyone's relays would
0: be different and everyone would have like a delayed reaction. I can confirm that that's how it works because I've been Netflix partying originally all the Twilight films and we've moved on to the Bring It On films now Mm. with two of my pals from work. Wait, are the Bring It On films on Netflix? All but the first one. The good one, not on Netflix. The other five? Four or five? Okay, so number two is absolute trash. We we just watched that one last
1: week. We're watching number three tomorrow. Number three, that's the one with Hayden Panettiere, isn't it? And Solange.
0: Damn, vanilla latte, got skills. I think the first one is genuinely like a a really good film. Yeah. Second one's terrible. Third one's good and then they just kind of drop off from there and everyone forgets that there were more than three but it is quite hard to watch because we netflix party it and then we like whatsapp video call and i've had to take to turning the volume down on my laptop and putting the subtitles on because otherwise you're just listening to three people watch the same film slightly out of sync yeah it's not ideal so at least then like i can hear what's happening from their laptops but i can read the subtitles and we're watching films i know really well anyway let's not pretend i need to watch twilight
1: and what are you drinking this week molly so today i walked back a different way from my walk because there's only like one bit of green in Warrington and that's down by the river so all your walks have to be there because there's just yeah. nowhere else to go. And on my way back up from there I was like little. I haven't been to little in so long. And then they had a box and it was full of wines that were reduced to 3.99 <gasps> so I got a wine from there. It is
0: Adaccio Sauvignon Blanc Terra Siciliana. Is it nice? It's not great. I watched you take a sip of it while I was doing the intro, and you didn't look
1: Happening. i wasn't to be honest. i think it needs to be colder. that's what i'll put it down to is that it should have
0: been colder. what are you partaking in today hannah? i'm back on the southern comfort and tonic. Ooh. i quite like the taste of tonic because like normally when people say they don't like gin it's that they don't like tonic. but i quite like it. so living your best life. on the fucking like what the hottest oh day of my the God, year we're having is so today. Hot.
1: i tried to go for a run today. couldn't even do a little bit of running. it was just too hot.
0: i was sat on my balcony before like doing prep for this and i was like how am sweaty sitting still i went out about half 10 because i was like oh i'll
1: catch it before the midday sun didn't work not the one
0: so this week we are reading the world is full of married men by jackie collins it is the first of her 32 novels which were all new york times bestsellers go every single one of them. damn girl. She was born in 1937 in London, obviously famously the sister of Joan Collins. She moved to LA in the 60s and that's where she kind of spent most of her career. She moved there with her husband. She's been married twice. The first marriage ended in divorce because he had a prescription drug addiction, which ultimately led to him ODing a year after they got divorced, but she got out before that happened. Then she married again. He was 25 years older than her, sort of a big American businessman. took her to LA. he was the one who got her writing as well because she kind of been doing it on and off and then he read the first chapter of this book and was like you should finish this it's really good but then he died then she got engaged again and then he died she's been a bit unlucky in love was old jackie oh, dramas in 2011 she was asked if she was dating anyone and she said i have a man for every occasion oh. because she was like why should i hook myself to one man when i've already had two like amazing men in my life yes, i don't need bitch. that drama anymore 2013 she got an OBE for services to Mm -hmm. fiction and charity and very sadly died in 2015 oh wait she's dead she's oh yeah sorry oh my god I did not know she was dead fuck this is really sad she was diagnosed with breast cancer six years before she died but didn't tell anybody (gasps) and she only told Joan two weeks before she died because Joan's still going isn't she shit Matt I'm, I'm really sorry that I had to break that to you I
1: can't believe I didn't know that In all the research I did, this didn't come up. Wait, was it Jackie Collins on that podcast I was listening to then? I'm I'm gonna have to
0: go back. What the fuck have you been listening to? I swear, I didn't think- I'll do a bit about the book while you find that out. Yeah, yeah, my world is crushed. So this was her first book. It came out in 1968. And at the time there was like a very big gap between the expectation that was like the swinging 60s that women were gonna be having loads of sex, which they hadn't been able to before. And the fact that as a result of the fact that that was new, most young women hadn't really had a lot of sex because they hadn't had a lot of sexual freedom. And a lot of people kind of credit Jackie Collins with teaching them everything that they know about sex and relationships because that was the main thing she wrote about. She fictionalised a lot of her private life and a lot of the circles that she moved in, which was very dramatic. Lots of very rich people all cheating on each other. And she kind of started getting inspired by it from a young age because this is such a great story. She used to hide in the little trolley of food that her mum would take into her dad's, like, card parties. And so her mum would be like, here's some snacks for the guys playing poker. She'd hide in this trolley and then just sit and listen to all the men talking about women when they didn't think there was anyone to hear them. Wow, that's cool. This book was banned in South Africa and Australia. A politician bought an ad in a Sunday paper to protest it, saying it was the most disgusting book that he'd ever read. Oh, mate, he should read The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. That would really Really mess him Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Because the main thing that like I found in my research and that I agreed with from this was it's not really so much about really graphic, explicit sex no. in the way that again, as modern people, we've come to expect like absolute pornography. It's more these independent women taking what they want and the fact that women and relationships were like very much changing in the 60s and 70s and onwards and that was what was so shocking was at the time she was writing really frankly about these women sort of doing what they wanted and that was probably the thing that upset people the most not that it was like super porny
1: um so just to clarify the podcast i listened to was recorded in july 2015 and she died in september october so like
0: literally so, so soon yeah she apparently she went on loose women like nine days before she died hey i'm actually really bummed out The a fucking truth
1: I thought this was one of the easiest books I've ever had to read in my life. Like, it just flowed really well. I didn't have to think. It was like watching a soap
0: opera, but I was reading it. I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed this book. And I think coming hot on the heels of last week's book, Mm. which I didn't especially enjoy, I thought it was it was really fun and from what I've looked into as well because she wrote this was her first one apparently they just like get better and better from here. So she's got a character
1: called Lucky or something which she like you see her as an infant grow up to an adult and on one of the podcasts I was listening to today because I only do research on podcasts, they were making a film of it and she was writing the script, I don't know whether it happened or not but she was actively going to get a young starlet so she was like anyone between age of 15 to 17 I want them to send me in recordings and we're gonna have an unknown I don't want it to be I know. and the reason I thought she was still alive is because I was listening to the Ross Matthews podcast with her being interviewed today and he didn't turn up to one of her dinner parties and she got like annoyed not annoyed but like oh, I can't believe you missed yeah. my dinner party and she was like don't worry Sharon Osborne also missed it but she sent me 500
0: pounds worth of caviar the next day It's absolutely (laughs) wild. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the book because it is moving in these very high profile film, media, TV like circles. It's wild. So
1: it sort of revolves around a couple of central characters. You've got Linda, who is 32, I believe, and she's got two kids. She's been married for 10 years. That made me want to cry a little bit. Oh god, yeah. Because I'm 28 and I wouldn't like to think of myself as a frumpy housewife. Like, I'm not
0: married, I don't have kids. What am I doing with my life? I thought that was weird. But I mean, it's better to not be married than to be married to someone like David, who is Linda's husband and is a piece of shit. Oh,
1: David is just such an arsehole. He is just the worst and... The things, we'll get into it, but the things he thinks and says about women and his attitude towards women is just, it's very incel. For someone
0: who sleeps around a lot, he's got a very incel mentality. Because he works in advertising as well. So it's like, is he sort of meant to be some like madman Don Draper, like you want to think of him as that kind of character, but he's just a fucking incel on the inside. So he is having an affair with a woman called claudia claudia
1: is uh 21 she's young she's beautiful she's sexy
0: she doesn't want to be married and she just likes sleeping with married men because it's bants the way david meets her is that she's an actress in one of their adverts that they're doing a soap advert she gets in with this big film director because she wants to be in his film and she's very much like she is not opposed to sleeping her way to the top she will do whatever she needs and then We also, I don't, I wouldn't know if I'd call him a main character,
1: but the character of Conrad Lee, who is the big film producer, but he's
0: also just Harvey Weinstein. He's just Harvey Weinstein. And on that note, we will put a little trigger warning in here. As always, I'll timestamp it in the show notes, but there is a really, really uncomfortable, would we call it a rape scene? I think she technically consents, but I don't think it's willing. Sort of like rape slash very heavy sexual coercion. Again, I'll put the timestamp. If you wanna skip that bit, feel free because it's not a very long section. It kind of very much like came out of the blue and then went again, but it was unpleasant. So those are like the main characters, but there's one thing in this. So although it's sort of a sexy book,
1: you don't get any graphic sex scenes as in it goes like
0: they build up to it and then it'll be like and scene. It'll kind of be like and then they made love wildly for two hours and then he went for a shower and like that's the detail that you get. I want to know how they made love. For a modern reader I would say not like shocking in that it's super graphic and explicit but it is all about again a bit like riders. People having sex with people who are not their partners are being very lax with the idea of monogamy. Its sisters are doing it for themselves and
1: listening to her being interviewed, that's what she wanted. She said um, she's got three daughters and their first word was anything because she told them women can do what? Anything. I love that. She was like, make sure you have a career because you need something for you. Don't just get drunk and wear miniskirts. I mean, if you want to do that, cool, but
0: don't make that your whole life. If you want to do that, do it because you want to do it. Because particularly Claudia is kind of that character in it. But I think there's very much at the beginning, you get the, the sense of like, she's doing that because she wants to. And then there becomes a point with Weinstein where she is no longer in control of that situation. And that's when it becomes a problem, and I would say absolutely. Like we are sex positive feminists on this podcast. Like, honey, you do what you oh, want to do. Do what you and need. Don't to let do. people shame you for it, but only do things you want to do.
1: With the story as well. If it sounds like we're jumping around a lot, it's because the story
0: it's multi linear. Mm. It has things happening all at the same time. Yeah, you'll have like a chapter which will be a scene that happens from Linda's perspective and ends with her storming out of a party, and then. You'll go back and you'll see what david was doing during that time. there's like six characters moving around each other in various configurations who keep being put in situations together and going off and doing their own thing but you get every strand of what's happening. so we actually start the book with david and claudia
1: together in claudia's apartment and they're all just having a nice sexy time and he's wild with desire for her body and then we learn how they meet. So David works with this advertising agency and he's like sixth in command or something like that because his uncle's got three sons that work there and Mr. Taylor's got two sons that work there. So he's a boss, but I'd say he's like relatively middle management. Of oh God, yeah.
0: Boss level. He's not a high flyer or anything. He's just sort of there mm. and it means he's only got his job through nepotism as well that's the thing he's not earned that place in the bit of this company it's
1: good to see times haven't changed since the
0: 1960s when nepotism is fucking everything but they're doing a casting for this soap advert a beauty made and one of david's colleagues comes into his office and is like oh we're really stuck between these two girls i need you to come and help and he goes to the casting and he watches both the girls and from the moment he walks in the room he's like that one's a dog that one's fit like he really isn't into the the girl. No, he's not feeling her. She's more buxom, I believe, which is not the wholesomeness that they need for the ad. And you very much get straight into David's view of women by the fact that he goes in and he's like, this one's fit. This one's bad. I'm going to bang this one. Oh, David. David, David, David. But the big contention in his relationship with Claudia is that as a married man, he keeps being like, oh, if only I could leave my wife and marry you. And she's like, I don't want you to do that. I'm not getting married. That's why this is fun for me because no one's tying me down. You're only saying that because you know it's not gonna happen. But then he thinks that she's only saying she doesn't want to get married because she knows it's not gonna happen and i think one of the best things is that
1: he's like she's got a messy person because she's 21 and has never had to like look after herself properly he's like do you know what baby i'm gonna buy you a dishwasher and she is like that is the world's worst present ever like don't that's so unsexy why are you buying me a dishwasher i don't care about my dishes she's
0: 21 a 21 year old does not want a dishwasher as a present no she wants money and alcohol and jewelry and she
1: says what a terrible present i'll have something more romantic than that thank you yes hon fucking dishwasher oh i might say the time my partner got me oven gloves as a christmas present So whilst David is banging Claudia and trying to make her get a dishwasher that she doesn't want and be a bit more quote unquote domestic, Linda, his partner, his wife, his one and only, has been at a party with some of his friends that she doesn't really like, she doesn't get on with, um, and has made her excuses and then has somehow managed to find herself in a ban the
0: bomb protest in Trafalgar Square, which is cool. Like, sure. She's very much standing out from the crowd because it's like a load of 20-year-old students being political. And she's there and her like, cream chanel suit and sitting down in the road and then does she get hauled up by the police so she gets hauled up and her skirt is round her head and her knickers are on show and she
1: loses a shoe and then that's when i put as a meet cute uh, she
0: meets paul who is 22 so 10 years her 10 tenure. years yeah younger and sort of an arty idealistic again he's a bit of a wanker
1: he is very much most of the men you would see in manchester In the northern quarter...
0: saturday night as well and it's a shame because at first i sort of wanted to like paul because he he goes oh you've lost your shoes and the police have roughed you up a bit i've got a mate who lives around here so we'll go there we'll get you all cleaned up and get you out of this big crowd but he's there with another girl who obviously isn't happy about the fact that he's taking this random woman home i don't think he would be it turns out this girl is 17 as well yeah. and it's like that song like he's not sure what he should do she's 17 he's 22 literally that
1: 22 year old men should not be dating 17 year old i know it's only
0: five years but it's the difference between someone who's still at school and someone who's graduated university that's the age difference weird but paul sort of rescues her from this situation and then she but she and she's very much like he's being nice to me but he's very very young but he's very very attractive and i need to not sleep with him and she's quite shocked to herself for even having that thought thinking that she could because she was a virgin before she went to bed with david and she's never had
1: any dalliances like david is all she's known sexually meanwhile david is out literally fucking anything
0: with breasts but she ends up driving paul home he wouldn't get out of her car that was a bit creepy but maybe that was just what the 60s were yeah and he did i mean i would say very much the equivalent of like facebook stalking someone in that she deliberately didn't give him her number because she was like I can't have this 22 year old lad I don't know bringing my marital home but the fact that she told him what area of London she lived in and he knew her surname and her husband's name and he found her in the phone book and gave her a bell that's more than facebook stalking because I hate
1: calling people so I don't know whether people back then like calling people but can you imagine having to like get the phone book out get your yellow pages out they don't we don't have yellow pages anymore we for this it. reason but he calls them asks her to go to a party with him in the evening she says no and then she is in the mood because obviously she's met this sexy guy she gets herself all gussied up for david he should be home around 10 she has a bubble bath filled
0: with chanel number five it's so decadent a bottle of rosé and oh it's great it's glamour this young lad fancied her and it's given her a a little bit of a spark back and she's like well if he fancies me then david can fancy me and she goes to all this effort and waits for david to come home and it's like "We've, we've not really had sex for a while and things have been a bit bad but i'm gonna redeem it tonight tonight is gonna be the one i'm gonna be the sex goddess i was born to be and then david calls and is like oh babes i'm stuck in manchester when he's not he's at claudia's house and this is another one of those things where you get the double timeline because she says she gets a call from the operator saying there's a call from david and then he goes oh i'm really sorry i had to go to this meeting and um we've gone somewhere and i'm not gonna be able to come home and then next chapter, you get David's version of that, which is Claudia calling and pretending to be the operator. Fucking and then him being like, oh, babes, I'm stuck in Manchester. I can't. I can't make it. And then she calls Paul back and he's like, get me to this party, hon. The party sounds horrible. It sounds like every fucking uni house party of every just arsehole. It sounds rough as fuck. And basically, she gets pissed. She's getting off with Paul. This girl who was with Paul turns up and is like, what are you doing getting off with her? And he's like, honey, you're 17, you're gonna get over me. You can do one. The whole thing had, like, the very much, like, a vibe of a uni party. Like, Everyone's pissed. There's someone getting off in that corner. There's someone having a fight in that corner. Someone playing the fucking bongos. Oh my god, do you think you can play Wonder on the bongos? Like that one guy with the guitar who's always like, anyway, here's Wonder Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's Wonder on the bongos. And then Linda just gets really drunk and is like, I think we, I think I want to go because I'm an adult at this child's party. And then so he takes her home. They and they have again. This is fairly perfunctory in its description sex but it involves both of them telling the other that they love them which i thought was a bit fast it goes she didn't
1: struggle when he unzipped her dress and pulled it off because after all this wasn't really happening she's pissed, mate she's not okay he kissed her slowly The bed was soft, and she felt very comfortable. His arms were strong and warm, and his hands created a fantastic excitement in her. He rolled her over on her stomach, and she felt him undoing her bra. "'I'm not here,' she whispered. "'I'm on another planet. I'm very drunk. You shouldn't take disadvantage of me. "'I'm at an advantage,' she started to giggle. He began to kiss her back, and then she was suddenly lost in a raging passion, which seemed to go on forever and ever.'" ''I love you,'' one of them said. ''I love you,'' the other said. It was so good to be wanted.
0: It made me really sad. Mm. I think a lot of the stuff that happens to Linda in this book made me really sad. She just seems like a nice lady. She seems like a good
1: egg. She might not be the most interesting person in the world. We don't really see her have a personality. I'd like to know what her interests are outside of her children and the household. Because the children are just sort of like accessories as well. They've got a Spanish nanny. That's all they need.
0: So she wakes up the next day and she's obviously like, feeling rough. Regret. She goes into this like little shitty bathroom, she drinks some water and then she she sneaks herself out and spends the next few days kind of being like is he is he gonna call? He probably shouldn't call. Do I want him to call? I sort of do. I sort of don't.
1: I think what she would do nowadays is she would sign in and then sign out and then sign in and then sign out of messenger so that he just knew that she was online. Meanwhile while she's confused and having sex with Paul, David and Claudia get into a little argument about the marriage Thing. So he goes and spends the night in a Turkish spa, which I think nowadays they are exclusively for gay gentlemen. And then he's like sitting down to breakfast, he's getting his full English in. When on the front page of the Daily Mail is Linda in her knickers being thrown over the shoulder of a policeman at a protest he's fucking angry you know his woman shouldn't be doing this women are put in a box they should be nice little
0: housewives and he goes back and confronts her and she's just like I have a hangover no he wakes her up and he's like what the fuck did you do yesterday and she's like how do you know what I did yesterday and then he's like I mean this and shows her the paper and she's like oh that that's fine I thought you meant the guy that I fucked she could not be more blase about it and that just really pisses him off even more and then he's like just get yourself ready we've got this beauty made launch party which is where
1: Claudia and Linda finally meet each other. Yes. Claudia's a bit drunk, she's a little bit cocky, a little bit sassy because... Conrad lee aka weinstein
0: wants to have a meeting with her and she's like this beauty made shit is beneath me but pays the bills she turns up an hour late and she's drunk and just kind of is a bit embarrassing david is a bit like what are you doing you need to look after yourself why are you drunk and he calls everyone a bitch a lot does david he's like you fucking bitch her being drunk and him not being happy about that will become a running theme and in this she says david
1: baby you're nothing in my life so why don't you just leave me me alone and then they like immediately have sex they forgive each other and then he bent down and kissed her warm soft lips her body was still wet as uh, oh yeah she was in a bathtub we should have mentioned that that was part of the ad so she's wet and she says not here idiot someone might come in he let go of her and went and turned the key in the lock she giggled softly oh david you really like to take chances he cupped her breasts in his hands and bent to kiss them she moaned oh go on then you son of a bitch just do what you want. I don't give a damn.
0: Babe, get some self-respect. It's like a quick turnaround from sort of 20 minutes before being like, you're literally nothing to me. You can get the fuck out and then being like, oh, go on then. But then Linda and David then go to a party at these married friends that Linda had ducked out on the other day. And that is where they meet Jay and Laurie Grossman and Jay, honestly, is the only decent character in this book and he still has his wobbles there are some things he does and says that aren't great we should say that Laurie is his third wife. She is immediately portrayed as a gold digger and nothing else. Even he knows that like she, it's a really two-dimensional character trait in that like Laurie's a gold digger, that's all you need to know about her that's it, that's her trope and he's got three kids
1: by two previous wives back out in LA. So yeah, they meet at this party and Jay and Linda hit off straight away not flirting, they're talking about kids and education systems and the difference between the UK and the US and we sort of see that Linda's actually
0: a rather witty and intelligent woman and Jay likes that about her because the only thing his wife has going for her is that she's a gold digger. Jay is like we've got a third
1: party to go to, do you want to come with us? We're going to go and meet Comrade Lee, aka Mr
0: Weinstein, at this club. And Claudia is there again after telling David that she was just gonna go home just gonna go home after the uh, the event have a little early night she was there because she's trying to get a part in this Conrad Lee film. As David says to her, you're drunk, you're acting like a cheap whore. He says that more than once. That's like his thing. So
1: I know we're not a fan of Conrad. He's a bad man. But there's one thing that sort of goes through these books and is that anyone who's European... <laughs> smells of garlic. Smells of garlic. Do people in the 60s not use garlic? It's the fucking best
0: thing in the world. Yeah, because Conrad Lee is specifically described as being French and Russian and he's bald and he's hand and he's kind of this the most stereotypical movie man that you could imagine and he smells of garlic because he's not british so they have a like a little boogie a good time it Gets to 2am and linda's like
1: we've got kids it's school tomorrow we should probably go and sleep and on the way home she sort of has a chat with david and this is a really sad bit because she's like don't you think our marriage
0: is lacking something? He's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about, shut up. Cause she says, do you remember our honeymoon? She questioned. Yes, he remembered their honeymoon. Spain, hot and sticky and long pleasurable nights with Linda, an innocent young Linda who awoke all sorts of desires and ambitions in him. Yes, I remember our honeymoon, he said quietly. Why can't things be like they were then? She looked at him plaintively. Linda, we're both 10 years older. Things don't stand still, you know. Yes, I know, she thought. And, like, if your relationship's solid, it shouldn't matter that you're both, like, the fact is that you fancy girls in their early 20s and your wife is no longer in her early 20s. That's not her fault. And it's she says the only thing we have in common are the children. We sort of have that
1: sad, tender moment. And then David wakes up and is obviously consumed with the thoughts of Claudia, and he's knocking on the door, and the cleaner's like, oh, they
0: do the cockney really bad. The cleaner's like, she ain't been home all night. <laughs> I'm not. but bed ain't been sleeping in but then linda gets a phone call from jay grossman from the night before and it's like me and laurie want to go for dinner you should come with us tomorrow night and she's like okay cool so she says to david she's like oh what time are you going to be home and he's like oh, i'm going to be late it's probably going to be like midnight and he says that he's going for a meeting with somebody and she Phillip. with philip and then she's like okay cool and then she's like oh I should have I should have asked about dinner. Rings his office, he's not there. She's like, "Oh fuck, I need Philip's number. I'll ring Philip because he must be in his office." So she rings Philip's home number and Philip's wife is like, "No, he's not working late with David." He's literally come through the door. You can hear him you can have a chat with him and he's like what do you want linda and she's like oh i thought you were with david and he's like no and i was like because it says more than once that like david has had several affairs like that's really pushed that claudia is not his first affair but it's the first one that he actually gives a shit about the woman but he's had lots of little affairs and i was like if that's the case this is a really fucking poor attempt like how's he not been caught before so then she's like he's definitely not where he's supposed to be
1: he's off having an affair and she sort of is like i know it i just don't have the proof yet. So, fuck
0: it, I'll give Paul a little ring-a-ding-ding. Because he's the only person who gives a shit about me anymore. The phrase that she uses is, like, it all sort of makes sense. Like, all the things that she hasn't wanted to address, like, the late nights and the weekends away and the fact that he doesn't want to have sex with her. She's like, oh, this must be why I'm fucking Paul. And a little part of me is like, that's not how it works. Take responsibility for your actions. And also Paul basically just turns out to be a prick. So we sort of find
1: out that why Paul's a prick is that he was going out with this woman called Marguerite and Marguerite left Paul for Paul's dad, because Paul's dad's got dollar. And his dad's single because his mum killed herself. He's got a really toxic viewpoint of women. He's so it's like, he describes her as she's a bitch. They just went off one
0: afternoon and came back married. He asks Linda to stay the night with him. And she's like, I can't do that. And he says, it's funny, isn't it? All the little birds I bang and can't get rid of. Oh, darling, let me stay the night. Mummy and daddy never expect me back before morning. It's horrible. They just won't go. And now I found someone that I actually can stand being near and you're blowing me off and I was like you're gross eventually she does go home and when she gets home she
1: realises that David's there waiting for her because Claudia's fucked him off and we'll get to where Claudia's gone in a minute and he's a little bit outraged that she's um, living her own life yeah then we actually have what is the first sex scene between David and
0: Linda and this is when you talk about perfunctory sex scenes this is it she has a bath she gets into bed And they're both being really shifty because if either of them question the other too much, they risk getting found out themselves. It's like, what
1: did you do tonight? Nothing. What did you do tonight? Nothing. So
0: then he's like, that's a pretty night dress, isn't you? And she's like, no, I've been wearing it for two years. It's just that you're horny. And she's just been fucked by Paul. So she's not like about this. She's like, why tonight? I have finally actually found someone to have sex with me. Why is my husband one of them this evening? This is how the sex scene goes. He leaned over and cupped her left breast with his hand. She shrank
1: away immediately. Oh God, no, she thought. Not tonight, please God, not tonight. After all those nights I've lain there and ate for him. He couldn't possibly picked tonight. He lounged across the bed after her. What's the matter? Nothing. She forced herself to turn around and face him. Fortunately, he took her quickly. Ugh. He had long ago given up on preliminaries with her. The sexual act with David gave her absolutely no pleasure. She felt vacant and used. Vaguely, she wondered if all men became like this after you married them. At first, anxious to please, thrilled to bits if they got to fondle you for half an hour. But after marriage, a quick lay and that was all. Shoot me, if that's what marriage is.
0: The chapter ends with, he lay there and thought about what a bitch Claudia was. She lay there and thought about how virile and sensitive Paul was. Finally, they both fell Sleep And I was like, what a miserable fucking existence. And while this is happening, again, there's a lot of, meanwhile, Claudia is, she's trying to get into Conrad's pants because she really wants to be in this movie. And she turns up at his hotel and she's like, hey, it's me. And he's like, I've already got someone here. And she's like, that doesn't matter. I'm very adaptable. I never find three a crowd. Do you mean what I think you mean? He questioned. Of course I do. You were so fantastic last night. I don't mind sharing. And and so he agrees to this threesome, which I was a bit like, threesome? This is new for the podcast. I was buzzing. I was like, we're going to get our first threesome. This is going to be great. Then Hannah, what does she do? Well, she spends 20 minutes doing her makeup in the toilet. Classic. And then she gets there and he's like, where the fuck have you been? We've been waiting for this threesome. And she's like, oh, I've changed my mind. Maybe get rid of her. And he's literally like, you called me while I was in the middle of having sex with this little woman. Deep. Literally inside her. Then you convinced me to, have a threesome then you didn't turn up for half an hour and now you're saying you don't want to and eventually he is fine with it because he says you happen to be a lot sexier than her so i'll give her 50 quid and she'll fuck off i mean 50 quid in the how much is 50 quid in the 60s are you
1: ready for this go on 50 pounds in 1968 was worth 746
0: pounds and 52p today fuck off he gave that woman 700 quid to fuck off that's mental and then we kind of again we don't get sexy we kind of flash forward to her basically saying i'm not gonna leave your side until you give me a screen test and the phrase she uses i'm going to get in his damn movie if it kills me i haven't screwed that for nothing so she's not attracted to him at all she's literally just kind of social climbing to get into this film he wants to go to a club so they go to a club and there's all these sort of again like famous people there her mate giles who's a photographer who will become. Integral to the plot is there. He's there with this model that he's sort of seeing, and Conrad gets very drunk and tells everyone he's gonna have a party the next night, and everyone's invited. And then he wakes up the next morning and doesn't remember anything about that. The plans I make drunk that never actually happen are insane. When you're drunk and you're like, oh my god, let's go on holiday together, and everyone's like, yeah, full well knowing that holiday's not happening. So, before the party happens, one thing we should say. Is that Linda dumps Paul because she feels like she's slumming it. And do you know what? Paul, as we predicted, is a fucking asshole about he it. He does that full, like, fragile masculine ego where one minute he's like, oh my God, I just think we're really close and, like, I think we could be really good together. And then she's like, no. And he's like, I didn't even fancy that much anyway. He's like, you're like all the others I should have known. You're just a hard bitch at heart, frightened of losing all your home comforts." Women
1: have hearts like bloody adding machines. Fuck the lot of you. Not bad for an old bird. He's Ugh. gonna screw you now, you randy bitch. Absolutely grow up, Paul. And I'm actually surprised that she dumped Paul. I assumed, and I don't know why, that Paul was going to be in this for the long haul. I thought Paul might have I been thought he would be as well. a long-term character that she eventually ran off
0: with, but I'm really proud of her that she didn't. I feel like that's a little bit of Jackie's like badassery coming through. You're better than this, Linda. Linda realises she is better than this. So Linda's already having like not a great day, and she has to go for dinner with David and the Grossmans, and Laurie in the toilets with Linda is like, yeah, I'm going to divorce him anyway and get half his money, because that's what it's like in America. Gloria is southern as well, so I'm going to attempt the accent. She's like I
1: know California law. And I know I get half of
0: his property if I divorce him. She's making absolutely no bones about the fact that that's her plan. And then they go to Comrade's party because Jay is working on the film with Comrade. That's how it all links together. This is where it all really comes to a head. This is where David and Claudia get found out. So when you see it from Linda's perspective, they go over to Comrade to pay their
1: dues, pay their respect and Claudia's there and she's gorgeous in diamonds and she's like let's save it and Linda's like I don't know he's somewhere she's like I'm gonna go I'm going to find David. I'm going to tell him he can, that he's made up his ass because I'm in the Conrad
0: She's fucking wasted and burning all her professional bridges. It's not good. So then she finds David and then they bang. And um, Linda walks out onto the terrace and sees Claudia like with her dress down around her waist and David sticking his face in her tits. And he's like, oh, I missed you so much. One night without having you was murder. And so Linda is like, the fuck. Jay is the one who looks after her. Jay gets her a drink and talks to her and is like, I know how this feels. That happened to me with one of my many ex-wives. Oh, this is the phrase he uses. I marry stupid, dumb, beautiful broads. It must be a sickness with me. That's just what he does. But he's like, get yourself in a taxi, go home. Don't make any rash decisions tonight because you have got children. I will go and tell David not to come home because you know, and you're not happy. And then we do a little little scoochy. rewind. rewind. Nine, nine, nine. I remember that night. I just... Mind. And then you get David's point of view, which is him finding Claudia at this party and being like, oh, we shouldn't really do this because Linda's here, but like you're here and you're fit. And he gets his face all up in her tits and then he just like bangs her in a corner of the patio. And then he's like, fuck, I should probably go and find Linda. And then he realises that the party's for Claudia. And then he goes to find Claudia instead. The quest for Linda was forgotten and a new one for Claudia began. And I literally wrote like one task at a time, hun. Like, are you saving your marriage or are you having a go at your girlfriend? Friend. like those are your options men can't multitask that's the problem
1: and then we sort of go into a merging timeline of that jay's arrived he's dropped linda off come back to the party claudia is drunk as a skunk on a table and she's taking all of her clothes
0: off she's doing a strip tea, she's doing a dance and the management come in and like get off that table babes like whoever runs the hotel's not happy and he finds david and is like you're a fucking idiot and your wife knows you're a fucking idiot don't go home david tries to to go back. He's ringing the bell and he's shouting in the street and he wakes up with kids and it's all very unsavoury. Which is a dick it's move. It's a proper dick move. And then we skip forward
1: six months. We know that Linda and David get divorced. There's a scene about that. It's not very interesting or sexy. And David's moved in full time with Claudia. Like they rent a very fancy penthouse and he's annoyed that she's a pig. Like everything's dirty. She doesn't
0: clean up. Nothing's perfect. Like how Linda would do it. He goes from... Having had this divorce with linda he goes to claudia's and he's like oh hon i can marry you now and she's like i don't want that that's a fucking not we're not gonna get married but we're gonna need a nice flat together it's gonna have to be a penthouse i'm gonna need some spends i'm gonna need some shit and then we get to what i think might be one of the sexiest scenes in the book she's really excited
1: that they're gonna have a penthouse she's not interested in him but she's excited for a penthouse and i'd be excited for a penthouse mm. too and then she is like trying to take a bath but she gets naked except for the boots that she's wearing so she wore a brief white bra and those shiny white boots he watched her mesmerized don't you ever wear panties I spill the line, she laughed. Does it bother you? I've never had any complaints before. She vanished into the bathroom and he heard the sound of the bath running. He followed her in. She was bending over the bath, filling it with bubbles. She had discarded the bra, but the boots remained. He grabbed her from behind. She struggled weakly, half laughing. He tried to hold on to her and get out of his clothes at the same time, but she slipped and fell into the bath. By this time, she was helpless with laughter, very wet and covered in bubbles. She stuck her legs over the side of the bath with her boots still on. He undressed hurriedly and followed her into the bath. The water cascaded over the side. I think I'm gonna like
0: living here that was fun that was like a fun that bit. was fun and then we do a little skip forward which is to them living in their penthouse and him being like everything's a fucking mess the
1: cockney cleaner
0: makes a return and he's like I won't clean this because you're living in sin with a married man the phrase she uses I'm not used to such filth and he's like yeah she's a messy bitch isn't she and then the cleaner's like no honey, you are the filth I hated how relatable I found this passage which was that she had a habit of stepping out of her clothes all over the place and just leaving them there one had to pick one's way through the debris in the mornings and honestly if I didn't live with my partner I would live in a squalor. I've lived like that. is all of us. She's also sort of ruining David's career because it turns out he's yeah. been very unfocused at work and his uncle who owns the company doesn't love the fact that he got divorced, doesn't love the fact that he's living with this like chaotic woman and is like, you're losing us clients you need to go and get us this client back Honestly, as a 40 year old you can't keep up with a 20 year old, it's just science yeah. So he's fucking shattered all the time and he's not being very good at his job. So while that is happening, Linda is doing the divorce. Like, she's gone to the court, she's got the divorce. And then while that's happening, Giles, who is Claudia's photographer mate, has come round and they're doing this big photo shoot in her penthouse apartment.
1: At one point, they described Giles as being, like, a brother, they've
0: got a brother and sister relationship. They tried to have a bit of a relationship and it didn't work because they were too similar. So now they're mates, they hang out, they have fun, occasionally have sex if they want to. That's the vibe. She is wearing a pink denim shirt tucked into matching pants with a huge gold buckle belt and white boots, which is a fucking look. That's a vibe. And the plan is they're going to take some photos all over the flat and she's kind of, she starts off in this outfit and gradually is losing layers. They hose her down so she's a bit wet. They're taking these Sexy pictures. And I thought this as sort of like foreplay. I quite enjoyed this scene. I thought this was a little bit sexy. The one thing I didn't like about it is Giles kept referring to her tits as boobies, which I wrote was not hot. So they get her shirt all wet, her clothes molded themselves to her body, and her nipples stood out firm and strong through the shirt. Bing, bing. Lead the way to the shower, he said, I don't want you catching cold. Strip off slowly. I want to capture it all. Um and he's like taking photos of her as she's like taking her clothes off. She's getting in the shower, he's like directing her. She puts on a little nighty, she goes onto the bed and he says you're trying too hard you need to relax you know what I want I want the cat that just got the cream look so give me the cream she reached for him just what I had in mind they made love easily slowly almost offhandedly. And afterwards he got up and picked up his camera just stay there that's perfect now you look authentic so give me the cream give me the cream was not a sexy line, but I thought the whole concept of this was quite hot. So they've had sex, they've done this photo shoot, and David calls her and is like, I'm going to be late. And so she has a party. And it is quite a party. So while she's having a party, we also learn more about David's
1: opinion of women because David's secretary comes into the picture a bit more. She called Miss Field and she's not overly attractive from what they say. She says she was also flat-chested and
0: who would want to lay a flat-chested ugly girl? So, Claudia's having a mad party, Linda's just finalised her divorce and she bumps into Jay and they go for some lunch together and it's really nice. Like, they have a nice chat. It's very wholesome. He took her hand over coffee and said, my God, it's nice to be with someone who has a brain and not just a body. You know, I really like you, Linda. You're a nice person. And she's a bit pissed off at that because obviously being nice is like a shit thing to be. But, But he treats Linda well, generally. They have a intellectual and emotional connection,
1: not just a physical connection that Jay is so used to with his busty blonde
0: let like us so claudia's party there's all these like absolute randoms in her house that she doesn't know and everyone's getting high and everyone's pissed there are some people like just fucking somewhere like that's just the vibe of the party and then david gets home and he's not happy giles has already said what happens when big daddy comes walking in gross big daddy's gonna have to join in the fun or big daddy can walk right on out again and i liked that from. yeah big daddy can fuck right off big daddy gets home and claudia's in the process of being grabbed by an italian she's not into it like this guy's been really handsy and she's a bit like no but david punches him and then he slaps her like he backhands her across the face it's a really horrible
1: bit of it as well like David then turned his attention to Claudia you fucking tramp he said and brought his arm back handedly across her face, nobody really noticed what was going on, the music was too loud and they were too stoned, get these dregs out of here David snarled she rubbed her cheek, her eyes huge and filled with tears, more from pain than anything else, you son of a bitch, she screamed how dare you hit me, I'll do what I want with you, I bought you didn't I, now get this damn place
0: clear, you can go to hell and back you bastard so he's like right i'm out of here he goes into the bedroom to pack up his clothes and he's like getting his suitcases and giles is just in there fucking this redhead and the girl's like what's happening and giles is like it's chill we're all gonna carry on oh god this is my favorite scene and then he's like the performance is over the next is at four o'clock and i was like absolute banter fucking love that so david goes that's the end of david and claudia so claudia sort of lived this glamorous life the whole way through and david's always asked her how she afforded it and then we find out she did pornos she doesn't just do pornos she does pornos under three separate names and does good enough hair and makeup that people don't realize and i was like if she's that good at makeup she's wasting herself doing porn she's like i don't really want to go back to that and david's not going to pay for this flat anymore like the bills are just piling up since he left So she really needs to push this comrade thing, basically turns up at his house by pretending to be a journalist and then she's like, I was meant to be in your film, remember? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll put you in the film. And then they have sex, which isn't very pleasant. So this is what we were talking about
1: at the beginning is that the sex is kind of rougher than rough, I would say.
0: It's painful. He's slamming her and grinding her and biting her. And he's got this mirror above the bed and he's got these like really mad lights on the bed. So it's like really bright. But she said that she worked hard. This was something he had to remember. When she was famous, everyone would say she was an overnight discovery, how right they would be. And then. And then. He presses a switch by the door. The mirror above the bed parted and slid easily in two, leaving a gap in the ceiling. A ring of smiling faces peered down at her from the gaping aperture. She sat up horrified. Just a few of my friends, Conrad said easily. These two-way mirrors are a great gimmick for making a party go with a bang. Pick out who you'd like next. And then people are kind of saying stuff. Me, 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 me. She jumps off the bed and he's like i thought you wanted to be in my film and she's like all right i'll stay like you really fucking better put me in the film and then that's the end of the chapter and i was like what a fucking elaborate setup horrible and it's such a wine steeny sort of move because
1: this girl she might be talented at acting she's probably not but she might be and she really wants to make it and to abuse your power like that
0: to How often did that happen? Ultimately, after this, Claudia goes on like a four-day bender and cuts off all her hair. What I really love is that no matter what
1: generation, where you are in your life, if something bad happens to you as a woman, you will fuck with your own hair. Absolutely. You'll dye it, you'll cut it off, you'll cut in a fringe. You will do some horrible shit to your own hair as a woman just to feel some sort of
0: validation. Just to have some kind of control over something in your life. I was like, oh good, that's not just, things I've done in the past. Because she literally wakes up for a bit, cuts all her hair off with nail scissors, takes another pill, goes back to bed. And then then she kind of woke up afterwards and was like, oh, fuck my hair. What have I done? I dyed my hair blue once. Like, we've all been there. She's not okay, hun. And she's taking sleeping pills and she's not eating. And she said that she's not naive. There have been many men, many different scenes, the blue movies, but never anything as degrading as the evening at Comrade's house. Because obviously all the other things she was doing, she was in control of that. And then you kind of get this other side of Giles. Giles has been in Mallorca and he comes back and he's like, what the fuck happened to you? You look an absolute state. And he's like, "Hun, we we've been offered this big contract in New York. You're going to get yourself sorted out. We're going to go to New York. We're going to be stars. I mean, not to say that Giles is the good person here, because Giles is also like, I'm really glad I signed on to get 50% of whatever she makes. So... Let's not make Giles out (laughs) as the hero. It seems like he's swept in and saved the day. But when she's in this state, is like, sign this piece of paper and then I'll send you to a health farm and we're going to be fine. But we find out right at the end, that piece of paper is a personal management contract which entitles him to 50% of everything she earns. Which obviously she wasn't really in a position to be reading at the time. She just signed it. And that kind of runs through to the end. Ends with Claudia being packed at the airport, getting on a plane to go to New York with Giles. We hope to be very successful and make loads of money. But that's the end. Yeah, like, props to her. Good luck to her. Have a great life. So meanwhile, David is
1: still not knowing what to do to himself because obviously he can't go back to Claudia. So he's like, do you know what? I'll try and get back with Linda. And Linda's... She ain't having it. She's not having it. David decides to use the kids as a weapon when he realises that Claudia's moved on, that Linda's sort of moving on. He just turns up. He's gone to Hamley's and he's bought all the toys in the world. And why are you stopping me from seeing my kids? I just want to be with my kids. And she's like, I'm not. Just be with the agreed dates.
0: That's fine. Yeah, because he's only meant to see them at the weekends. And she's got dinner plans with Jay.
1: It's her first date with Jay, yeah.
0: David turns up and she feels bad. We learn later on in the book that David really doesn't give a shit about his children. Because after this, he basically never attempts to see them again. The phrase David uses is that all bitches are trying to grab you by the balls and squeeze everything out of you. Ugh. He sits in his car outside to try and see who she's going out with because he's weird. And like, he follows the. Them, and it's only because he gets stopped by the
1: police from running a red light that he can't chat them down
0: and ultimately this kind of leads him to a fling with miss field who as previously mentioned is his flat-chested mousy little secretary is it he's in work on a sunday because he's got nothing better to do and he's losing his job so he's like fuck it i'll come into work He goes oh it's really difficult to have a job without a secretary so i'm gonna ring her on a sunday and she's probably not got plans so miss field turns up and they have a really productive day and then at the end of the day she goes do you want to come to mine for dinner because my see this is it she's got a fucking hobby she's got better things to do every sunday i cook myself like a gourmet meal do you want to come and have dinner with me she's made a stroganoff and a lemon meringue pie and he's like i've got no food i've got no wife I'm living in a hotel. May as as well. well. And while he's at her house, the advert that his agency made with Claudia in, the soap advert, comes on TV and he gets excited. A massive chub and in this like i mean what how long's an advert like a minute and a half in this minute that he's turned on he puts his hand on his secretary's knee and is kind of getting into it and then she just goes like full throttle she's like this is fucking it as soon as claudia goes off the screen he's like i'm kind of over it now he's already made the move and so it's happening and she's been waiting for this because she proper fancies him she's
1: like my dearest i am yours i have waited for this moment for too long what should he do she was such a good secretary he didn't want to lose her he didn't want to hurt her feelings she was getting impatient david my dear come to me i am not afraid he took a deep breath and ran his hands tentatively across her bosom there was no bosom quickly she said I know I am not well endowed but there is a fire in my loins and he thinks this is a bloody nightmare what am I getting into he's like she managed to get his pants and shorts off and then her mouth was traveling down his body and she was kissing him and suddenly it was all over for him in a huge shaking furious bout of passion he screamed but he didn't stop sending
0: him into a frenzy a shudder enveloped her and at last she was still. He goes straight to the bathroom and he locks himself in and he's fucking bowled over and he describes her as a hot bitch. And then he's worried that obviously he's got to work with her and he intends to never mention it and they kind of crack on quite well until he realises that she is the only person he can get hard for. And how did he learn this? By trying to fuck Jay's gold digger ex-wife. Jay's ex-wife, Lori, the southern
1: bale, he is now married to a new oil tycoon and they just happen to meet one night at dinner and she's like why don't you come up to my place come and up and see, see me sometime he goes up and
0: they're trying to bone down and i think this is probably the most like explicit slash graphic scene. He parted her negligee. Her legs were exceptionally long, crowned at the top by a small mound of silver blonde hair matched perfectly to the hair on her head. So the curtains match the drapes, good to know. She opened her legs slowly, her hands moving around his back, digging her nails into him, pulling him closer. With a surprise, he realised he wasn't yet ready. So he starts kissing her tits to try and get himself going. It doesn't really work. And she said, do you want to read what she says in your accent? Because I don't think I can do it. What's the matter, honey? She purred in
1: a slight edge to her voice. This is real Georgia pussy.
0: Come on, sugar. This little snatch is waiting for you. She's like, have you watched Big Mouth? Yeah. She's the female hormone monster. Yeah, that's what she is. But he realises the only way that he can get hard is if he thinks about Miss Field. So then they start having sex. She's like putting on like that porn star show. And then he's like, I can't, I can't do it. It can't stay hard. Furious, she sat up. You're sorry, she stood up. Her hard
1: breasts and exotic nipples, staring accusingly at him. Get the hell
0: out of here. I've got to find myself a real man. And literally in the time he's getting dressed, she calls someone else who's coming in 10 minutes. Like she's got them on speed dial. I love this. I wish I had real Georgia pussy. If only. Real Kemp pussy is not quite the same, is it? Real Kemp pussy is <laughs> <laughs> it costs a Mars bar and I'll leave you with something else. That's real Ken pussy. So then it happens a few more times that he tries to have sex with other women and can't. And he keeps turning up at Miss Field's house like in the middle of the night. They just start banging like on the regs. And then... Plot twist. The ending of this for David is and This is brilliant. the ending of the book as well.
1: Like everyone's gone off. This All the women have got the happy ending. We may as well tell you now,
0: Jay and Linda get married. Linda thought that Jay wasn't into her because he was like courting her and she was like oh he doesn't want to have sex with me that must be bad that must mean he doesn't fancy me but ultimately he's like no it's because i'm like so in love with you marry me come back to america with me so that's that's her story wrapped up so this is the end of the book david is in bed and he's reading the newspaper in miss field's house because all he can do is bang is sex front page is like claudia parker going to new york to be a jet set model and he's like fucking claudia and then he turns the page and then it's like mr j grossman with his beautiful new wife Linda going back to America to be fucking legends. And he's like, ugh. And then in comes Miss Field, who's been having a little vomit in the bathroom and says, we are with child. He stared at her in a panic and slowly he realised it was too late to run. The trap had closed. And that's the end of the book. That's a spicy little ending. So Molly, can I ask a question? How wet did you get?
1: How wet did you get? Were you like the ocean? How wet did you get? Were you drier than the desert? How wet did you get? Do you wanna have some sex now? How wet did you get? Did this
0: book make you come? I mean, no. No, it's no sex in it. But it is fun. It's like a fun, rompy book if that's what you're after.
1: I'd say it's a bit spicy, like in your
0: own head, you get imagining what might have happened, and that can up the ratings. And there were a couple of scenes in this that I wasn't like absolutely frothing, but I was like, you know what? They do some quite fun fade to blacks where you want to know what happened, and some bits where like the foreplay leading up to it's quite fun. I'm probably gonna give this like like... like a 6.5 maybe.
1: I was gonna give it a six because as you were saying, the actual sex content wasn't fantastic, but it was
0: the building up to it. So that's like a solid a solid, a solid six. six to seven from both of us. And obviously you don't just have to take our no, word for it. All. As usual, we have gone and scoured the internet to see what other people have thought. Goodreads, again, as always, fairly split. Some people loved it, some people less keen. Someone called Regina thought that this book was worthy of three stars and that it was frustrating. Not only was the story over the top, the characters were obnoxious, described in very extreme ways claudia is an extreme bitch david is an extreme asshole and linda is an extremely fragile woman even so reading this was like having a guilty pleasure i enjoyed every second of it this is the first book that jackie wrote it kind of shows by the way she wrote the conversations i guess she got better with time this book is recommended for readers who want a piece of easy reading and that's basically exactly what we've said
1: yeah the one i found by Mrs. S. J. Norman in 2011 said original and best sleazy erotic shocking and highly entertaining. Jackie's debut novel Bracket. How brave was she? Love this book. I read it more than once. It's fabulous and short and sweet. That's one side of
0: it. Janine went fast service, easy read for holidays. That's all it needs, I think. Get yourself a Jackie Collins, guys. Like I'm into this. I want to read more of these. I thought it was fun. Especially if they're going to get spicier. Literally so bummed out she's dead. Did not know that. I'm really sorry that that happened.
1: So I think that's
0: it from us this week. Just to say thank you
1: to everyone who's been messaging us, everyone who has commented on everything, everyone who's leaving us great reviews. It means so much to us. We didn't think we'd get this sort of level of response this early on and we're really grateful and we're also really sorry if we don't respond to you. It's just
0: that we're slightly overwhelmed and severely awkward. The fact that anyone who I don't personally know messages, us, that's mental and I don't know what to do about it. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have enjoyed it, you can give us a review. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast from you can tell people about it you can find us on all the social media we are at lit gag pod on twitter we are at literally gagging pod on instagram if you search literally gagging podcast on facebook you will find us there you can email us at literallygaggingpod at gmail.com if you want to tell us what you thought of any of the episodes if you've got any books that you want us to cover tell us what you've been reading that's been a bit sexy we are always looking for recommendations we
1: want to know what you're thinking what you're feeling because this is a podcast for
0: you the people but it's not really it's for us we're selfish bitches but yeah next week we're going to be looking at a book called the back passage by james lear we've had a little flick through it already and it looks like it's going to be quite a lot of fun so as always stay alert be good wash your hands if you're having a wank wash your hands anyway keep yourself safe keep yourself clean have a nice time and we'll see you again bye Bye. a big thank you to bobby bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything to bethany southworth for our jingle and the other incidental music is from kevin mcleod of incompetech the king of royalty-free jams and savior of media studio students the world over